Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers right here on the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Thanks guys for tuning in tonight. We've had a quite an interesting week here in Adelaide, Dan. A visit from Lamb of God. Yeah, that was unexpected. I guess being if you only just pay attention to the whole Slipknot Lamb of God thing that for Slip Lamb of God to come down that's great of them to do it play with some some local boys as well and down at our old local HQ where yeah that uh, venue's not going to be there for much longer because of the new hospital of all things you know who would have thought that yeah and I don't think it's because of the hospital noise complaints but what's happened is because it's the rent now is just through the roof from what I imagine so we can talk about that later as well because we really want to get into Lamb of God we're getting a segment coming up about. Uh, just our review of the gig and also also the uh, the meet and greets and stuff as well. But uh, we're also doing Charlie Walls of the Dan's as a review later on. But first, let's talk news, Danny. First thing that I got announced, richly that dropped only about an hour ago, was Legion Music Metal Festival. Now, Danny, what is Legion Music Festival for the fans who don't know? Yeah, well, Legion was supposed to be the uprising of the failing of Soundwave or the um, aforementioned Soundwave where... We, we were all excited. People bought the tickets to go see the sound. I think it was last year it was supposed to happen. And then it got cancelled because of a lot of things with AJ Madden. Bands were being paid. People were not coming, etc., etc. So Legion thought, oh, we'll pop up and we'll try to get another music festival here in Australia. They, they, to be fair, they tried too quickly. They wanted to get within like two months after Soundwave going. It seemed like they wanted to get the thing. You just can't do it. It's just too quick. So then they tried to um, yeah, postpone until this year coming up. And yeah, it seems like it's been a cancelled again i don't know that's right because the promoter that we know is actually from the band where the old kill switch engage singers was in right mm. now he left that project to fully focus on legion now they've got a a thing on facebook uh, just explaining what's going on now from legion music festival announcement the organizers wish to thank aussie metal fans for their continu- continued support of the legion metal project over the last 10 months due to a number of business considerations we have made the decision not to proceed with proposed launch of the Legion Music Festival here in January 2007. Now, we talked last week about a band that uh, went with, that did a crowdfunding right and didn't actually get in contact with the fans for quite a long time later, only to do it saying, yeah, we're still kind of doing it, but uh, you know, we can't give you any more heads up than that. Our Legion Music Festival, Dan, close to having people getting a little upset. They did have a lot of people put a lot of money into this. This was a crowdfunded grassroots funding thing is this going to be like uh, a right thing? When when should fans see a return from their investment? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a, I mean, I guess it's still early to understand the full details of what occurred. Um, I mean, a lot of people did donate. They had, I think, a target amount. I'm not sure they actually did hit that target amount or what's transpired. I mean, there's, there's other talks about, you know, download coming down, like not fest coming down, other music festivals coming down. Maybe Legion thought, wow, these, these festivals are coming down instead. Maybe we should help invest to bring these festivals down who knows? I think it's a bit too early to call. I understand whenever it gets crowdfunding and you know you don't get what you pay for, you don't get what you want, that, that can always bite people and hurt people. So I think it might be a bit too early to call, man. It might be a little bit of ambitiousness from the promoter or it might not have things have just lined up or they've got it better lined up for later. We understand these festivals aren't easy to maintain. You need to get revenues. Uh, you know, students need to take out loans, um, you know, Things, think people need to miss out meals in order to save money for it. All those kind of gravy things, right? So uh, let's just pray that uh, you know we can see the that these guys can get some resolution around this, and we can see these uh, festivals getting played here in Australia as soon as possible. Yeah, I think this is definitely a story to stay tuned with. I think more shall be uh, coming up in the coming weeks. Nothing we need to stay in tune for with this one. Sepultura announced their new album. It's going to be released 
Around January 2017, it's going to be called Machine Messiah. We've covered Sepultura here mm. last time, Dan. We talked about the corn because obviously they borrowed the corn producer and they borrowed corn sound as a result. So, yeah. who's the hottest band going in uh, in metal at the moment that uh, Sepultura can uh, borrow a producer from? Well, this would be true. There's a lot of people going around. You know, times are tough, so I'm pretty sure these producers have kind of put their hand up. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think in Sepultura can go gent. Damn yeah. Sugar's doing quite well. Yeah, they could try um, that. Um, you know, Periphery, uh, maybe Prog, Devin Townsend. You yeah, know, he's yeah. pretty he's pretty popular. Yeah. No, there's a lot of bands going around. They might just go full like hard rock and still nickelback or Volbeat as their um sound, you know, why not? Why not? Maybe they want to get more commercial, you know, to see how they go. Look, we're here to help you guys out. We've read the best and worst albums this year, guys. And uh, I would say go ahead and uh, maybe steal from Flesh God Apocalypse, though. I think a death metal sound, a and a Death metal orchestral sound layered with 64 instruments. That's what I hear Sepultura do. Yeah, like with full like Brazilian like drums and beats and reggae tones to it. <laughs> this, would be, this would be epic, man. Yeah, yeah. What, what also was epic was Metal Apocalypse. Unfortunately, we know that didn't go down so well. Now, Brendan Small just had to talk about uh, to a metal injection website about what actually happened in the end. Now, this wasn't a back and forth arrangement. What we were understanding is that people really wanted to see uh, Metal Apocalypse go well. I think there was a rumor about also doing a crowdfunder for that, get the fans, put the money where the mouth is and let's see it launch up. But Adult Swim just came out and they're just like, no, there is no more discussion about this. This is not going to continue anymore. So I'm guessing fans can expect the next Metal Apocalypse to happen with the next Tool album. Uh, yeah, that's right. As they're saying, yeah, when, when they both happen, when they both occur, I guess the moon will turn blue, and then my hair will grow back, and all that, all that fun stuff will occur. But like we covered in the past about this whole metal apocalypse, that the the crowd's definitely there. They, I think they've crowd that they were able to get crowdfunding to pay for the show to be made. Yeah, you tell there's an audience for it. Literally, all this there's no risk for Adult Swim, but I don't, they want to do. It. According to that article, apparently they reckon they've maybe upset. Or it hurts someone's ego in adult swim, and that's the big issue. But ugh. Christmas cars, they cost $1.50. You just send them to the right address, man, and you can get your set, your seventh season to your favorite uh, comedy series. Yeah, I don't think Cormark have a car yet saying, I'm sorry that I've hurt your ego with my heavy metal sh- cartoon show, but please forgive me and put us back on the air. I don't think Hallmark have that card yet. <laughs> if Hallmark have that card, this will all be over. They'll, they'll be back together, you know? So the fans shouldn't be going to Adult Swim. They should be going to Hallmark to make a card happen yeah. so they can see their next installment of uh, Metal Apocalypse. Oh, but there's, there's tons of avenues now. you got, like, Netflix and, like, Stan, all those like streaming services would do like you know pure content based on them. So I'm, I look if Melpox keeps going, people that are interested, I'm pretty sure something else. Will pick so it up. if they can get the rights off them somehow, then like you said, they can go to Netflix. I mean, they've got the hunting ground, so the objectivity and decency for Netflix is just like oh maybe you know nah. they're more about important about making sure they got the content for viewers who actually want to watch what they want to watch. So that's yeah. what's more important. Yeah, the efforts for family and Netflix might as well go oh, Apocalypse, man. Great show. Oh, that's a great show. Avenged Sevenfold explains surprise album release throwing fans off its trail. Now, we're going to know a little bit about this, actually, this story. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson cameos talks about that, um, you know, they actually they wanted to do this announcement just out of nowhere. They wanted to actually announce this uh, CD, Avenged Sevenfold, and just come out of left field. And people were like, oh, where did that come from? But we know that Chris Jericho knew something that they didn't. Oh, yeah, Chris Jericho did like a full hill move on this. This is like great, like wrestling deception and like building up a storyline, and then just get like a chair shot to the face. Because yeah. apparently he had Avenged Sevenfold on the um on his podcast, and they were talking behind the scenes. They're talking, saying, "Oh, like Avenged Sevenfold went to Jericho. Look, we want to um release this as a big surprise album, which is pretty cool, man." You know, yeah. and then, and Jericho goes, "Oh, you know, it'd be really sweet if like on my podcast, 
uh, just after that, we like release a fake date and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and a bit later on, a couple of days later, a week or so later, eventually, for saying, oh, the, the heat's on us, Jericho. Let's go with your idea and let's um, do a fake release, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then even Jericho went to the point of actually giving the album a fake name, didn't he? Yeah. He like hashtag, what's it? Oceanic Voltic or Voltic Oceanic, something like that. And, and, and I think like pretty much a month after, a month and a half after the actual release date was. So, and then, then as soon as he like put on his like Twitter page, whatever he did it, two or three hours or a couple of hours, half day later, he takes it off to, to make it look, oh, it's an accident. And, it was, it was long there, long enough for people to get excited by it. Yeah, like Chris Jericho literally went, I guess he could kind of be a heel, but he's just giving the fans what they want by kind of like giving the old misdirection. You know, look at my hand in the left hand, but in the right hand, he's kind of like playing their balls. Like literally, it was incredibly tricky, very WWE inspired, like like with like almost a um, like a surprise match, you know, but uh, brilliant marketing. It worked. Yeah, and no, that was great. And then apparently there's talks about, I don't know if it's true, that they, they're going to get shirts made up of the um, lost... Avenged Sevenfold album of like Volcanic Oceanic, whatever it's called. So if they if they really say it's a bit of a parody shirt to themselves, that's that'd be quite funny. Yeah. What is also funny is one of our friends. Uh, no, I'd say we'd say friends. Someone someone at Metal Sucks thinks that uh, doesn't think they're very highly of Donald Trump. Right now, here's the thing though. Um, Martin Shrekel. Now he's the guy who actually I think he owns the licensing for Nirvana music, and he's got a couple other things as well. Right. Now, he's come out and said that he's actually going to release unheard music from these big bands that he has under his label, provided if Donald Trump wins, right? So, uh, what? This is, um, this is the interesting point that I wanted to make about this, is that who, whoever you vote for is, is fine. We're talking about metal, not about inflated egos of politicians at the moment. But he said something that was like, he's, um, he's blackmailing fans. Because what he's saying is that either you vote for this guy or I don't give you the music. But this isn't like he's kidnapped your kids and he's going to release them back to you if you vote for Donald Trump. This way, he's just said, look, if, if Donald Trump wins, I'm going to release it. This is at his own thing. He's not He's not doing... I mean, he's just... Fans didn't even know this music existed 10 minutes ago and now all of a sudden, they're being blackmailed. Like, how is that possible, Danny? Yeah, I don't know how you believe this guy. I think this is the same douche which... um. Was it like some sort of medication which was normally sold for eight dollars? He increased like thousand dollars or something. So I think he this is the douche. So yeah, in India, yeah, whoever loses, if Trump loses or Trump wins, whatever, this guy he will release these songs, but he will sell them. He will he'll probably sell them as a profit. So. He, I think he's just bluffing because this guy's all about money, so he'll do what he can for more money. Man. Well, you know, it just seems like the, the whole article didn't even didn't even feel right. It's something about this is kind of like this is the most clickbaity of all clickbaits, and unfortunately, yeah. Super Mario Brothers Matt's uh, clickbaity hand is very strong. Yeah, but I think that there's actually more to the article. It's not only he released all these hidden things; he's also going to like tell us where the Lost Sea of Atlantic was. And he's also going to tell you where he hides all the dinosaurs. Yeah. Some pet T Rexes all alive. He's going to talk to release the Martians. So there was actually a lot more like this guy's hiding from us, man. So oh, yeah, geez, you know, yeah, it's pretty. Pretty much everyone's just kind of selling themselves down the river with that. So we're going to move on to Ghost. Did you know that Ghost now have a cowbell player, Danny? Yeah, man. This is the most exciting news I've ever heard in my whole life. I've, got a- I, I've, been, I've been wanting metal bands to embrace the cowbell, and finally it's occurred. i got a fever, and the only remedy for that fever is more cowbell. Hey, explore the space, Ghost. Explore the base, man. <laughs> so if the questions we're asking, who was this incredibly talented cowbell player, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'd like to meet this person. Yes. Bruce Dickinson? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some, some dude. I mean, come on. Saturday Night Live foreshadowed Cowbell being in a band yeah. at least 20, 30 years before it even happened. So the innovation to uh, the comedy series is should be noted, right? Oh, definitely, man. Yeah, I mean, Will Ferrell, he can't do no wrong, man. Yeah. So I guess uh, it's not really that important, but did you hear it? 
Actually, I didn't. No, I did. did no, you? I oh, did. It was hilarious. Basically, what happens is on the side of the stage, you see, obviously, you see all the guys in the band. They're all playing their awesome instruments. And all of a sudden, you see this ominous figure drenched as a ghost member. Like, you know, he's got the satanic black face, uh, you know, the, the, the robe and stuff. Gets onto like a fallback speaker just above everyone else. Has the cowbell in front of him and just starts hitting it like literally like the same way Bruce was doing on uh, Saturday Night Live. like, dude. <laughs> literally like on point it was literally on the beat I couldn't believe it I'm like this uh, art imitating um, art it was yeah, great yeah. it wasn't like was it was it Fear the Reaper the song they weren't like doing a cover of that live yeah they? they put Fear the Reaper on top of whatever ghost song they were playing wow. it was brilliant to impose two songs over the top of each other two rhythmic ideas wow. it's like Sasha Shoko's Baby you know they oh. just like overlap them and say hey good on them for doing it man now hopefully this is the trend we have now um, Cowbell Core that would yeah. be, be the best uh, Metallica have gone ahead and said that uh, their best album is yet to come James Etfield actually got interviewed and in the interview he said the next album is going to be better than the last one well you'd want to hope right mm. yeah, he should have taken his own advice maybe 15 years ago <laughs> yeah, the Garage right. Inc album yeah, <laughs> would yeah, never yeah, happened yeah. <laughs> um, but he also says later on in the interview that we haven't made our best record yet I would say he has, and I would say maybe Metallica's biggest problem right now isn't the diminishing, oh, sorry, the uh, trying to think of creative outliers, or I think it's maybe his Alzheimer's kicking in because Masters of Puppets was written like, you know, quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And to these fans to today, pretty much acknowledge that that was their best part. Yeah, I think mean, that, that, that's getting just clever marketing. Like, oh, we, we can still do it. We can still believe. We're still as cool as these young guys out here. So look, if they got the faith and they want to keep writing songs, go on to them, but... Oh, like, they haven't shown anything saying they're going to get back to like the former glory. Yeah, Metallica are teasing a little bit though. I heard some people like when they released that last album, even Brock Lesnar was like, "Yeah, listen to it on repeat. Absolutely love it." Maybe the the name itself now is branded so well, it's kind of like it sells itself, oh, yeah. and people will just buy it regardless and rate it because it's been such part of their life for so long. Then uh, that's the way it is. But uh, you know, credit to James Setfield and the boys. You know, hopefully if they're right and they release it and have this, um, maybe they speak to the guys from Sepultura. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> they get themselves a really good producer well, album. Actually, considering like Corn just released an album now, I can see why Sepultura have decided to release their album. It's like, oh, Corn, interesting. Yes. So maybe Metallica this, or maybe Metallica then release an album and Tool will be so inspired and take the Metallica stuff and release an album. Now, D. Snyder slammed Cannibal Corpse right the debut album. Now you know him from. Twisted Sister, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse, the guy with the neck, right? He's like all neck. He's like literally one neck muscle, Chris Barnes, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And he called him out. Now, this is a funny little exchange because we know that D. Snyder actually sat in front of a panel a long time ago and they were worried that Twisted Sister was the reason why those kids killed themselves. We reviewed this on Super Metal Brothers a long time ago. Yeah, it's probably one of our first episodes. Yeah, that's one that a metal headbangers ball, the um, documentary that he has, the whole thing against the public advisory committee. Yeah, yeah. so the, the idea was at the end of the day, um, the the parents were attacking Dee Snyder for problematic uh, issues and, 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 and you know, uh, imagery and stuff that that causes through their, through their yeah, vision. Lyrical content. Now... Yeah. D. Snyder was giving Cannibal Corpse the same kind of flack, but in a different way, saying the album covers, you know, rah, 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 they're horrific things, you know, whatever, you know. But uh, to his credit, D. Snyder did apologize, you know. It was yeah. over Twitter, it was very short. And uh, even Chris Barnes actually acknowledged his love for the Twisted Sister frontman. So I'm glad that got co covered up because this could have been like metal on metal. You know, it's like Transformers, <laughs> but not the good kind. Nah, definitely. And they're so cordial about it. It was like done within like four tweets and no one even... I mean, some mentioned it was a bit of a dick move. I think that was about as vocal as it got. And straight away, I'm sorry about that. No, yeah, yeah. 
I accept your apology. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. The, 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 the good self-awareness, you know, because at the end of the day, metalheads knew straight away, like, because the one thing with political correctness, you know, it can't survive in metal for very long, even though they tr- it tries to, and it comes back in different shapes and forms, right? Ever from the 1980s um, to, to today, you know, and we can cover, we're going to cover that next week in, in, a, in a, hopefully a bit of a, a spill. But um, yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean, if the other bands this week could actually be seeing great reunions, you know, like Sammy Hagar and Van Halen or, you know, Phil Anselmo and Vince Neil and New Pantera. So, you know, if, if people could just, you know, learn to love each other as, as easy as Dee Snyder and Cannibal Corpse can, well, then there's hope for us all, man. Exactly. They know they can put their anger issues in the music. Outside of it, they can be best of friends. The logic for life, someone put it on a Minty's wrapper so people can be aware of it. <laughs> Maybe on a bumper sticker so everyone can see it. Hey, there could be like a new cross-promotion album coming out, man. Christmas is coming, you know. It's time to do mark cross-promotion marketing. Speaking about Christmas, uh, Slash's Australian's wife, Perla, calls the guitar out for being very hurtful and disrespectful from not... Uh, basically, when they were divorced, she was you know entitled to a certain amount of money. Right Now, we're obviously aware of, you know, uh, the situation where, you know... That he they have a kid together, so she feels entitled to the money. Here's the thing: that we watch a lot of Bill Burr, don't we, Danny? Yeah, we, Bill Burr, and even this relates to Eddie Murphy's old Raw skit, yeah. right? So we're gonna give Perla a chance to uh, to to contact us and tell the story because here's the thing: Perla can be one. Uh, she could have been up with Slash from the grassroots, right? When he was a little shredder practicing, they could have been together, right, in a couple, right? Mm. Now, she could have walked double shifts and, you know, she could have had the kid looking after her and the stuff, rah, rah, so, so Slash was playing in bars and stuff. I was to consider that like they were helping each other out and maybe she's entitled to some of that money because she invested a lot of time and energy and effort to see his dream happen. However, what we think what happened was um, she saw him as a rock star god. He was making quite a lot of money. She comes into the picture, and now it's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I, bear a kid for you. Give me some of that sweet cat. The Mariah Carey thing. It's kind of like she, you can be talented and stuff, but you're still a bitch in the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think she she met Slash in '94. So this is after like Avatar Destruction, after like Terminator Two. So yeah, yeah, he's on Terminator Two money. He's on Terminator Two money, man. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's just as, as happy as I don't know. As honestly, John Connor was when he found out he didn't die. You know, like that's how like what we're looking at. You know, it's pretty exciting. Too, as, as happy as it was when I watched the Terminator Two movie. Oh, that's a top top movie there. Yeah. Well, how happy is T One Thousand when he stabs people in the face? Because that's a quite a satisfying thing you can imagine. Yeah. So the disrespectful thing, nah. Like what Bill Bay says, if you got like a million dollars of that money, like you know, you were happy to join the ride that would have been. Uh, Guns and Roses and stuff like that, and uh, you know, and and uh, hopefully they sort it out. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. But the, the twist in the whole of this, like you know, the little fly in the ointment, is that she was technically not divorced from her previous husband while they were together for most of that time. So technically, she doesn't, she can't really do too much of it. Oh so, wow, yeah. 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 All, all she happens, technically, she got divorced in like oh, I don't know, oh nine and. They can back that to say oh, between 2001 and 2004 is the only time technically you can try to get money from that era. So I don't, think, I don't know if Slash was doing anything in that era. So he might have been like, I'm, I'm drinking a bottle of day vodka era. So to be fair, she can have half a bottle of vodka a day. Maybe that's her payment. Maybe she should have taken a leaf out of our last story tonight with Billy Corgan. Now, he was disappeared for a while. And we want to know what's going on with the Smash, Smashing Pumpkins songwriter slash lead doody doody. Now, he took him on and to violating for you know ownership and stuff. He bought a small take in the company and uh, now nah, unfortunately he's out now you know TNA look like they're on their last legs anyway but 
uh, you know, Dixie Carter still running the show with her billion dollar dad. So for all those wrestling fans slash rock and roll fans that wanted to see the iconic man rise up and uh, run his own company, it's not going to be that. No, nah, man, he's just been body slammed through the mat and unfortunately, uh, big, big, big to the face from old TNA there. So uh, look, it would be great to see. I mean, being big wrestling fans, we can't mention wrestling on here quite often. It would be good to see TNA survive. They were great at one stage. You know, they were really good. Then they tried. Yeah, AJ Styles, he came from it. Now he's like the running guy at WWE at yeah, the moment. Samoa Joe is also in WWE. I mean, it was great wrestling, great fun. Unfortunately, they, they try to be too greedy and compete directly against WWE and like, bite him in the ass, man. Yeah, it's pretty much saying like, I'm going to take on Metallica and trying to book out the Wembley Stadium with, you know... The, the teenage guys who you know, fill out a bingo hole by three people, you know, yeah. and on the same night. It's just never going to happen. Yeah, so it's a bit of a shame. I mean, good old Billy Corrigan for like trying to, you know, diverse his income and start something fresh and new. I guess, you know, now you're in the rock star, you get bored. Well, that's the do. thing. With all with all the Smashing Pumpkins and royalties he would have received, he could surely buy all the wrestlers from TNA anyway and give them a slightly bigger pie supply with some better music. He just hides for his backyard and just has like them. <laughs> he's the only one in the crowd. He's like, come on, do, do a backflip. Are uh, you sure? Yeah, come on, man. Gets all like the female wrestlers to fall in love with him and all like the douchebag guys. <laughs> he like, writes all the, the, the high school, the high school jocks. <laughs> and super sexy Billy comes and saves the day. That's right. I am the best. Super face never loses a match. All right, let's move on to our editorial, guys. Now, in our editorial, we suggested a... F- a Listener slash anyone who reads our stuff on Facebook question. And the question was meet and greets. And we just wanted to loosely get an idea from the fans today over the last couple of weeks, actually, saying, what do you guys look for in a meet and greet? What do you guys expect from it? And how much are you willing to pay? Now, Danny, before we go any further, what's a meet and greet? Uh, a meet and greet is when you have the courage to finally step out of the bushes and tap on the window of the girl you're looking in the shower. That's, that's To me, that's my normal meet and greet. Yeah. Apparently, there's another one. Apparently, it's different meet and greet. I don't know. This, is, this one here, it costs a bit more, to be fair. We actually get to pay a bit more for your your gig ticket, concert ticket. And apparently, depending on what is on offer, you actually get to meet and greet. So talk, shake hands, you know, exchange sweat with uh, your, your favorite musicians or your favorite member of a band and the sidekicks, so depending on what you like. Yeah, now, I've never paid for an actual meet and greet. What I've done is the uh, the typical high school girl slash trying to meet Justin Bieber by finding out what time he arrives, you know, what's the, what hotel he goes to and his toilet break so I can, you know, stalk him that way, right? Mm. So uh, we've met our bands at, at uh, airports in front of the venue or even just after, you know, or on the street if we got really, really lucky, right? Just, you know, walking by, oh, what an accident. Mm. Who knew you'd be right here, right? So... We asked our fans, Danny, about what uh, what what some good meet and greets you've gone to, but what some bad ones as well. Yes, yeah, very important. I mean, like sometimes it's great. I've, I've heard great stories where people have just. There's a great story about Ronnie James Dear. Um, our, our, our cousin's our close friend was just sitting in the bar. Um, Ronnie James Dear walked into the bar, and they, they those two had a full conversation for like an hour, just like just right there in the bar. And that was immigrant. That's just. Two guys are hanging out, talking. So you have those spontaneous things here, which have occurred. But this one here, because we, we, we discussed, because there was a bit of a... Lamb of God last night had the Romeo and greet, which is why we've decided to talk about this, because of the way it was conducted, uh, there's strong feelings about it. Yeah, so we're going to start with some of the good ones first before we go on any further. So let's talk about all the guys who responded. So yep. firstly, Jacob Fluffy Slippers, great name. Great name. Never paid for one, but many, met many bands. Some bands are very humble and genuine, enjoying meeting fans, which is good. Uh, that's generally where we found the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanessa Berryman has said, I paid 20 bucks for a meet and greet with East 17. 
This was in 2011, right? Yep. She loved it. So there you go. 20 bucks at a meet and greet. 20 that, bucks. Keep that in mind how little that amount is to meet one of your favorite bands, right? And they are a big band, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, that's that's serious. So good on Vanessa Berryman. And we don't care that, that we don't, we, this is never about like metal and stuff. We just love to hear fans' reactions to their favorite bands too, right? Yeah, I've heard ones where people did a uh, meet and greet with Brian Adams. Yeah. And he was really cool. He like talked for like ages and kept asking anything else you want to talk about, sign anything you want. And that was Brian Adams, big star, you know? So, yeah, yeah. The, one of the biggest stars in country slash rock, you know? He could have been the prima donna of prima donnas, right? He could have had people look through him through a glass window and uh, tap Morse code. Yeah, but too far, he is Canadian, so it's it's by law or by biology, he has to be nice to people, so he, he can't help it. So, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately for him, he was locked into that. Jennifer Richardson paid $50 to meet Fozzie. We also know just Chris Jericho. Oh, Jericho. Whoa, was it Jericho? Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> the man of a, a thousand and one wrestling holds. Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth the money, she reckons. Got to chat to each member, each one of the members, and they all signed a few things for us. Not just one thing, mm. but many things. That's so great. That's great. He's got a photo at the end as well, and he got she got to physically molest Jericho by putting their arms around his back. That's wow. That's a big back, and she's not a big lad. So I don't, know, I don't, I'm not sure how that counts. Put her in the walls of uh, Richardson, I reckon. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> uh, we're going to move on to another friend of ours. Uh, he uh, was um, Braden CFC. Goes by his Chelsea uh, fandomness. That's yeah. fine. He loves football, different teams, but uh, we love them all the same. He said um, he met Suicide Silence right, and for a hundred bucks, mm. he got the ticket to the show. Right. Wow. That's and these are a big death metal band, yeah, right? We all know these people. You got a T-shirt. They normally cost up to thirty bucks to forty for one of those tour shirts. It's forty. Yeah, bucks. except double-sided printing. So but a bit you more, know, 30, yeah. 25 to thirty bucks, I would agree on too. I'm like, yeah, that's what you can pay for, right? You got an A3 poster, which they signed. Nice. A VIP laminate. Nice. And no amount of limit to what you wanted to sign. So wow. if you wanted to bring your Roy's Rose collection from the Matchbox cars you owned, they would have signed it. Actually, imagine if you're, like, you're building a house, you got them to sign each brick. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole house is like free paint. <laughs> it's just signed everywhere. You paid your hundred bucks. They are going to give you a hundred bucks worth of bricks worth, oh, right? You terrible. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, the, he even got to chill for fifty minutes with the band. And I saw him last night, and he even said he got to share a couple of beers with the guys. Now Sweet. this is a hundred bucks, right? That's awesome. So we're starting to get a good, uh, a good little reflection. A lot of these fans are happy, right? So we're going to finish it off with two more, and we're going to mm. get into some of the not so great ones. Mm. Okay. Adam Blacksmith said, "Anyone that fifty dollar dues." Anything more than fifty dollar dues, and he's hoping for a blowjob. Wow, that's so. Is the most metal bands of dudes. Ah, just close your eyes and think of England, I guess. Oh, terrible! Yeah, uh, anyway. I, uh, you know, it's like it's like a glory hole. You put your things in there, and you just pray for the best, Wait, right? Does that mean that he went for suicide silence because that was the move? How many trying to lose two hundred bucks? That's two blowjobs, man. Oh, it's two, man. That's two out of five members. Uh, and but to finish it off, Ben Saunders reckons that promoters and band should do a meet and greet at the price they feel is good, but in saying that, it should be reasonably priced. So everyone is happy. However, in meet and greets, reckon people deserve at least a few photos. So you do believe mm. a few photos is necessary with one of the, each of the all band members mm-hmm. and maybe some side merch that you brought. How do we go into the bad, right? Well, well let's do it. Hey, Danny. Well, I guess we can dive straight in and we'll, we'll share our own thoughts and feelings afterwards because we want to do both sides before we discuss. So, yeah, what's what's some of the bad ones, man? Well, we're going to start it off with last night's. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, what, yep. Lamb of God giving a bad meet and greet? Well. Yeah, and you think this this might surprise you because Lamb of God were nice enough to come here without Slipknot to do like the alley leg where Slipknot, because the Lamb of God and Slipknot are playing together, but Slipknot decided to stay East Coast. 
Lamb God came to LA, you think, well, people so nice, what could have been so wrong? Yeah. So Braden CFC talked about, obviously, his good one was Suicide it's not, Silence. Yeah, it's not Deja Vu. There's more to it. But he talked about the bad one. And not only did he say this to me, but also Elite Dietrich as well, a friend of ours and uh, someone who we were very surprised because he could not wait. He, he adores, he loves every single thing from uh, Lamb of God. He owns the book. He listens to everything. He can speak, at, recite the names, those actual lyrics of every single song from every single album, right? Yeah, big fan, big fan. Let me tell you about their Lamb of God experience. So yeah, they had to check in at five o'clock, right? They made the band had to check in. Now, they could only bring one item that they wanted signed, okay? So, that's it. And this is going to be pre-signed. They weren't signing it in front of their face. No. Nothing nice. Yeah, just yeah, literally- surren- you had to surrender it to them, walk yeah. away, and they sign it without you seeing shit. Yeah. And then, then they, they were told at a later time that they had to pick it up at the end of the night. So, not only did they, when they got there at 7 to meet them, where they signed yet, they weren't. They had to come back later after the show. To have them signed, right? So uh, that's a bit rough, and we're seeing some of these bands, people who got, you know, quite quite a lot of things signed for much. For we'll tell the price in a sec. Mm. Now they had to arrive at six forty-five to line up for a photo op, right? Then what happens is he got to shake the hands, and then that was it. Yeah, I get it in the photo. Yeah, yeah, so he got the photo op, right? He got that photo op at six forty-five. He shook their hands, got the photo taken, got the photo and taken, ushered away, mate, and then ushered away. Yep, and that's it. That and a signed book where you don't see him sign shite. That's right. And, uh, you know, both Luke and uh, Brayden tried to have a conversation with Randy Blythe, but they were escorted out by the girls who run the promotion, this agency. I think it was A&G or whatever it was, I'm sure. And uh, that was it. Ten minutes, if that. Then the the, the worst problem with this, Hmm. was it 200 days? It was $240, and that included a $75 ticket to get in. So $140, you got them to sign a book or a pizza article. You never got them to see sign personally, so they could have even stamped it for all you know. And then you got to have you got to shake each other's hand and take one photograph, all for 140 bucks. I don't know how Lamb of God managed to rob was, yeah. 12 people so blatantly, and no one got upset. No one reported it to the police. <laughs> You know, like, it's not even far. Honey Street's got, like, a police station in the middle of it. It's notorious for people getting robbed. Yeah. You know, yeah. they could have said, yeah, the guys at HQ, the Rosemont, um, H- uh, HQ again, because, uh, yeah, hello, um, this band that came from America just stole our wallet. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that that is very steep for what they got. For 100, it's, yeah, it's more, it's like 170 bucks around that mark, because I think it's 240 takes 75. So it's about $160 mark. For you to get literally a minute of their time, you, you might as well have just gone and get like a prostitute. Yeah. Because at least you get screwed, but in a good way. Yeah. Literally, like, if I don't think you could ever get raped with your pants on, but there you go, guys. So, before we talk about how the Lamb of God concert went, what we want to do is just make sure to you guys, check out who is doing the meet and greet. Because people are arguing whether it was Lamb of God themselves who were a bit jaded or a bit, uh, you know... Um, just delusion with the whole idea of meet and greets now and they've just got it down to a, sh- a formula mm. or if his agency like had them by the balls which is hard to believe but it, it's not out of possibility oh, right you know I mean yeah you so, so be careful don't think that you're going to spend $140 and they're going to jerk you off because it probably won't happen no no that's not true that's what poor um, Jim before said for 50 bucks that's probably why he does do meet and greets because he's just Upset that no one's no one's offered it yet. Wow, for 140 bucks, he would have thought that all five of them would have like basically drunk his pee. Honestly, <laughs> for that for that amount of money, it's just like wow. So we feel sorry for you guys, Lamb of God. Um, uh, but again, 
there are great stories from it. Meet and greets. We're not saying no to them. We're just saying be careful who you do it with. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those questions like, you can understand these these guys here. They're on the road all the time. They fly over everywhere. They do long sets, long gigs. So they, they I know they can get a bit tired of seeing fans, etc. And I know Floor Yancer's come out and said she's just not one of those people who like people to approach her to say how you going, shake hands. If she really isn't that inclined, so yeah. it comes across as standoffish and rude. But unfortunately, everyone's different. You know, some people don't like the attention or the affection, but some people crave it and demand it. So yeah, it, it is tricky. But at the same time, it, when when you're a band and you're offering. A, a service, thing, you're a service, a service, and you know pretty damn well what people kind of expect to a degree. Yeah. Especially when you charge 140 dollars. When you charge 140 dollars, that is like when you do a masterclass with one of those guys individually. You probably charge 100 bucks for an hour for doing like a masterclass session. That's right. So you're getting charged 140, and you only literally shake each other's hand and get a photo. Op. You, you, you might as well just go to the airport pay for like all day parking and wait for them to, to fly in and then you would get the same thing. The same treatment, yeah. So um, there you go. Now let's really talk about Lamb of God concert before we go to our final presentation being Charred Waltz of yeah, the man. damn review. Uh, what was your uh, take on the concert, Danny? Look, I, I, I always enjoy Lamb of God's like songs. They're, they're very groovy, very rocking and they're easy to get into. Like mm. Even like, say, I'm not, I don't know a lot of their new stuff but you can still get into their songs even if you hear it once off because... The, the songs you do know are very again, groovy. You know yeah. them. They're very memorable. So the songs you don't know, that you kind of use that energy and they still have that nice, again, groove and tempo to the songs that it gets you through them. So look, I do like the songs they have. That's that's a bit of a positive from, from it. So I, I did enjoy myself. Negative, again, I'm not the most technically advanced in a musical sense, but they were quite sloppy. For mm. a band of their experience of playing a lot of like staple songs in their registry, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be sloppy, man. Yeah, so I'm gonna go just go on a little while because unfortunately for me, my experience was tainted because two of my dear friends, Braden and Luke, told me this story about Lamb of God, and unfortunately, the old saying goes true: never meet your heroes because they were turned to be villains. Right? Mm. That's the worst thing that happened to her. And most people have talked to me about Lamb of God being amazing and seeing them doing their documentary and that I thought them to be quite approachable and lovely guys. Yeah. In fact, the last concert, Braden actually got to meet the guys at a bar and uh, got to hang out with a bass player and get drunk with him. So, um, yeah, because Braden was very polite and then they reciprocated, okay? So, when I noticed when they started first playing, I was the same as Dan. The drummer on the night, Chris Adler, and the one of the guitarists, Mark, I think Mark Morty is, Mortimer, I think his name is, um, they weren't really locking with each other very well. I found Willie Adler on guitar was amazing. He was actually given quite a great performance. And obviously, the energy from uh, the lead singer, Randy Blythe, was quite good. Then I noticed that they did these two... They didn't really interact with the crowd at all, right? There was only one instance where they did really good crowd involvement because someone was lucky enough or unfortunate enough to have their wallet thrown onto the stage. So, they made that into a, into a uh, skip. And Randy Blythe's pretty charismatic, so... His, his natural charisma uh, just pulled that skit across, right? But then there was no real interaction with the crowd. They had two fake encores where literally after two songs, they disappeared, the, script, the, the stage went black, they only to come back 45 seconds later. So they could have used that time a bit better, right, to, to engage the fans more and do that kind of stuff. But the, the, the biggest problem I had was they even acknowledged the two LA bands and said, let's give it up for the two LA bands that played to not even give them a shout out to push them over when they, all they did was talk about how good you guys were. It was a bit of a, oh, it's, it, the whole, the, that whole concert for me was just like from the average kind of connecting it to the, uh, yeah, to not so engaging the fans was, um, yeah, it was something about that gig wasn't right for me, Danny. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably were burnt to start with the whole like interaction with the um, pay things. So you're kind of watching it as like an old ex, like 
looking at your ex. Yeah, you screwed over my mates. Give yeah, back their money. Yeah, that's right. Whatever, whatever excuse you come up with, I just don't like it because uh, it's too red in here, yeah, and that's your fault for this. So you, you might have had a bit of that going on you, on you as well. But the big thing, which is quite interesting as well, is that we did our review of the shambles, that is the Golden God Awards, uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Apparently, Lamb of God were voted the best live act in the world for the last year in the metal community. So for a band who's supposed to be the best live act ever in the world for this year, you expect a high level of professionalism, high level of music, musicianship, and for them to be the best stage. And they clearly weren't. So, you know, you, you get, you're winning awards like this. You, you have to bring, you have to bring a game continuously. I know it's half for bands flying to Australia is a far, far flight. You have to manage that. You have to step up to the occasion, man. Yeah, their set lists are great. The way the songs they pick are always fantastic, and they even at their worst, they're still very competent musicians. It's just unfortunate on that night that just found like it was a it was a phoned in performance from the boys, and uh, I hope to see them do better next time. Yeah, sure. I mean, we we never really rag on people during this editorial. We normally have our thing. And look, to be fair, the main focus of this editorial was meet and greets. What do you want? What do you want to get out of it? And you know, bands should really. Treat the fans well because they treat without they, the fans. They stuck with them, man. When 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 yeah. Randy Blythe and that went through major money issues and stuff like that, the fans responded by buying their stuff in droves, right? So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that, I guess. Yeah, let's so just again, yeah, like I was saying before, buyer beware, and maybe maybe he's right. Maybe it could be a promoter issue. So maybe look on some promoters, check out metal forums, check out fans' reactions to see how. What can occur? So that was something we didn't really want to talk about, but let's talk about something that we really do want to talk about. Or do we? We're talking about the latest review from Charred Walls of the Damned. Now, this album here is... Funny enough, I've actually forgotten the name of it. <laughs> it is... Creatures Watching Over the Dead. Thank you, Danny. There you go. Super Metal Bats uh, going up with you. Let's talk about a history for the band first before we get into the review. They're an American man, heavy metal band formed in 2009, consisting of drummer Richard Christie, Iced Earth, bassist Steve DiGiorio from Death and Obscura, vocalist Tim Ripper Owens, uh, we'll get into that later, and Joe, Jason Sukoff. And now he's a member of a band called Carpanium, but he's a producer for bands like Chimera, Devil Driver, and Whitechapel. This is obviously the third release from the... This is a super group, Danny, but who, in fact, is Tim Ripper Owens? Who is Tim Ripper Owens? <laughs> Hitty, A, a Night Watchman, B, a Baker, or C, one of the greatest singers of all time? I'll tell you about River Owens. It's actually a cool story. Apparently, uh, back was it, I don't know, 90s, 80s, something. I can't remember when. But when Judas Priest, uh, when Rob Halford left Judas Priest, so they kicked him out. Honestly, can't remember the story. Yeah. Uh, they need a new singer. And they found, what is the best way to replace a singer? Well, why don't we get a lead singer of a Judas Priest cover band? Yeah. And that's how Tim River Owens came into be a prominence. He, he replaced Rob Halford, did a great job. I mean, you can hear a bit of that in this album. We'll talk a bit later. Uh, from these and other things as well, from the Iced Earth, he's also done Dio Disciples, so yeah, he's a bit of a gun for hire, and now he's doing Child Wars of the Damned. So, yeah. yeah, it's because a lot of people were saying that when um, Brian Johnson had to leave ACDC because of his um, ear problem, that they should have done the same thing. ACDC, get like a local guy who's been seeing heavy um, ACDC covers for like the last 30 years, and give him a chance to start him. You know, that would have been a great story. I mean, Axl Rose has done a decent job, but it had been a great story for someone who's dedicated their whole life to a band to become famous because of the band but look that's another story we'll stick to this album at the yeah. moment uh, Daniel's grievances definitely not uh, unwarranted let's talk about how we review albums okay we're we talking about the vocals the grooves diversity production but first up let's talk the riffs of this album Danny now this guitarist I gotta say uh, he is something that is from freak 
Freakville. Jason Sukoff, this guy, not only is he an awesome producer, gets to produce some of the biggest bands in the world, his guitar playing and his riffs are just right on point. Yeah, no, he's great. I mean, very strong melodies. You know, one, yeah. one of the big things when you have a, a good power metal vocus is that you want great melodies to help the singer along, and he does this quite well. I mean, like, he, he can also blast a really tough rocking, like, riffs, like track two and three, and, like, even six there. There's some really, like, hard riffs. But then straight away, he can cut back into nice melodic riffs and backed up with some really, like, nice drumming he just keeps like rolling on and on and on it's like a couple of blasts yeah those even. those fear stuff like reaching to the light where you got those kind of diminished intros and then there's money riffs that were like just so iconic and power metal two songs like tear me down where it's kind of like that's being pulled back and also like living in the shadow which is like the hungry for heaven like dio song it's just got it does exactly what it's supposed to do, like Danny was saying. The riffs, they can be money riffs at times. They can be pulled back just behind the guitarist. But when it's time to shine, his like leads are just phenomenal. They're so in- interesting and so much uh, arrangement went into uh, and thought went into different ideas. Tapping, you know, lots of sweeping, bends, all that kind of cool stuff. But they're always engaging and very memorable. Yeah, definitely. And even like cuts into like solos and they're actually good solos. And not, they're not in every song. It's not like I have to do a solo now. It's like, okay, I have to, I'll do a solo to help break it up a bit or help add a bit to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, when it needs to scream for a solo or when it needs that approach like of sensitivity or just of shred when you need that to be carried out, it does. And everything is amazing. I can't even tell you the best off the album yet because I think they're all just spectacular. Yeah. So much, uh, you know, thought and... Uh, diff- different uh, techniques and stuff. Just great. Oh, loved it. Loved it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think they've done a great job with the, um, the, the songwriting here. And yeah, can both the drumming and the guitaring is just, um, they they either go well together, they go well individually. They they both help out. And it, even the bass, the strong bass in track nine, even start with a bit of a bass solo, bass feel. So hey, yeah. it's a bit for everybody in here. 10 out of 10 from the guitar. So let's move straight to vocals. And Rupert Owens is regarded by many in the music circles, metal circles in particular, sorry, as one of the best metal singers going around. It's hard to say that that isn't true, that statement, Danny. Oh, definitely. I mean, for you to replace Rob Halford, you, you can't be no slouch, no spring chicken. you got to know how to hold them, the notes I mean. You know how to fold the ending of notes to make sure they end well. You know, went to walk away from a bad band. You know, I'm gonna to... run away from this uh, <laughs> joke because this joke is just diving. Where to go after that? <laughs> but um, here's the thing. Now, this is the best way of analogizing putting this into a, like a context for you. Okay, a guitar. Let's move to guitars, right? Because I I know a lot more about guitars than singing. But a guy who plays guitar is a guy who gets a guitar given to him and he can play a chord while he speaks softly over it or whatever. He can play, you know, all those big chords, right? And that's it, right? That's a guy who I consider play guitar, right? A guitarist, how on the other hand, like someone who's a master of the instrument. Let's talk Andy McGee, for example, right? Now, he'll be given the same acoustic guitar that we just gave Johnny Two Bits, who just seduced, you know, all his girlfriends by playing, you know, three chords about, you know, being lonely or whatever, right? Now, Andy McGee, what he does is uses the whole entire guitar as an instrument. So, not only will he, like, tap the side of it, he might tap the the, the fingerboard as well. He might pluck the strings. He might uh, slap the strings. He might even do a cap over certain sections and that. He's a master of the instrument as a whole and thinks outside the box of how an instrument should be played, right? And that is exactly how I feel about Tim Ripper Owens compared to singers. Mm. See, like a singer, for example, like let's say the guys from Volby or the guys from Creed or Tremonti and that, they have an awesome note and feel, but that's it, right? Tim Ripper Owens can do anything and he does everything. He gives you every single emotion conveyed by different techniques that 
literally uh, be exhausted by other bands. Yeah, definitely right, man. I mean, he he has great range, great power, and good tonality. And but you're right, just he can do like a growl if need be. He do a bit of a scream if a little bit of scream if need to. He gets the half falsetto, goes a bit low. He can do a little bit more soulful singing. He really put the emotions across again, like the last track, track nine, even track seven. He really gets you, um, yeah, feeling just through his vocals. Here's the thing: I would say, to my me- memory right now, is he's the best singer at being diverse, right? Even Daniel's gonna hate this, but Russell Allen can't hold to his diversity the way he approaches singing. But you might not like his tone as much as other singers, right? Sure. And I can concede to that because in the, the day when Russell Allen sings, man, every hair on my nuts grows hair on its nuts in that movie you know it's like it's just a different feeling however I will concede that Tim River Owens has so many weapons at his arsenal that even guys like Russell Allen have admitted they can't do yeah no definitely I mean you're right I mean people like Russell Allen struggle when it comes to the real growls or bit of screams but yeah Tim River Owens can do it all I mean again a bit of ice time on ice to earth he was able to explore a bit of that as well um I mean, track six is classic, like Juice Priest. He just used that. At the end, I believe, of track, I think, seven, you can definitely hear the deer influence in the way he f- f- ends Check eight as well. Yeah. Is, yeah, so fantastic. And look, the really cool about him as well is his ability to phrase over the um, different guitar and drumming riffs and tempos. Because, again, I can't remember what track it is. I mean, uh, some of the tracks, what happens, the, 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 the guitarist and drummer, they actually like continuously riff, like hitting hard and rolling hard and playing fast. But come the chorus when the drummer's still going, rolling over and the guitar's still playing quite quickly, he'll just phrase it differently way. He'll elongate his notes and it just completely changes the feel of the song. And the te- Even though like, the tempo's still going strong and the guitar and, and drum's still going strong, he's able to like be clever with how he does it to make you feel like, oh, that's actually a bit of a change here. But there's actually not much changed. Yeah. If you want to hear what I'm talking about, the best thing I can say is listen to As I Catch My Breath Right. Now, that his performance in that is incredibly moving and powerful. He's just he's showing you how he can hit big notes with big orchestration. Very, very oh, just unbelievable. Then listen to Lyrics Into the Light, and that's what we're talking about with the Judas Priest influence where he's just singing on that falsetto range. Sounds evil as all hell, and it is going so much power and so much oh, just amount of velocity that goes into his vocals. And that's the thing. Nothing's done half ass. It's done to a high level of high musicianship. And it's just, that's why I love the album. It's just, I love his performance. Sorry, on the album. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's great. When you get like three great um, or great musicians all playing together, then it makes for a terrific album in this case. So I guess diversity is the way to go. Yeah, let's talk diversity before we get into grooves. Uh, diversity, again, this album does everything on it. I think. It's important to recognize that it feels like this is one of the albums that come from the 80s in the sense of the not pop metal at the time. I don't know if that's a fair call to say to it, but there was that Dio era, Ozzy Osbourne era, where the guitarists were, although you had to step back, they were still very phenomenal players and they really gave some heavy riffs for the guy to sing over, right? Mm. And this is like the embellishment put into the 2000s, I think, this album. It's done what was done in the 80s, but today with blast beats or you know, tremolo picking and all that kind of evil stuff, but also paying homage with some you know, very heavy melodic sections as well. I guess you call it neoclassical, but by classical, you mean 80s songs. <laughs> like yeah. Neo-80s classical, yeah. <laughs> no, you're definitely right. You're right. I was pretty surprised you hear the blast bits going on and not just that. You have, you have songs which are like true power metal, like track six there, and then you have like thrashy songs in there and just like melodic songs and and they used to use them in the songs. Like So you have like in track uh three where you have like a bit of slow work 
get into real fast blasts and then cut back again for the chorus and cut. So they do take you on rides and temporary changes and, and journeys through the songs. So some songs are a bit short and they are pretty straightforward, but some, even the short songs, they can't fit a bit in. I think these guys have a very mature approach to songwriting. I don't feel like any track was this album's like, oh, we've done like three heavy songs. Let's do a ballad now. We're yeah. going to write a ballad. They write songs that are organic because you have ballady sections into it, right? But they don't always take it down that predictable road. And that's what makes this album fun is that everything's like, you don't you know where it's coming from left to field. You know, even the way the styles of the vocals or the drumming styles where it'd be a blast beat to a ride to, a, to not playing at all kind of thing. Acoustic is going to be acoustic. Is going to be heavy, but you, you you're like a kid sitting on the edge of the seat. It's like what's going to happen next in a sense. It's just so much fun and so much imagination went into these songs. Yeah, no, definitely. There is like a lot going on as well for their songs. So like you really got to listen to a couple of times. Here, like the guitar did a bit interesting here because they do just throw in a little couple of bars which are slightly different. They're not just repeated like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, whatever. They actually do change a little bit of the bars into it again. Get a bit of a different feel, a bit of subtleties to their songs. So, again, like I said, we, we have great musicians doing their songs and or have the ability to stretch their stretch their abilities. Ah, uh, yeah, you get good diversity occurring. Let's move on to grooves right now. Now, the the thing about grooves is it could mean anything, right, for us, but it's more about the emotion of the album because groove can sometimes be like a groove metal band where it's like certain staccato notes or just like simple loops and sections like that to establish a way of moving, right? But how does this make you feel? How does it make, make you move, Danny? Oh, look, it's a pretty cool... When it gets real rock and it gets pretty rocking, man, I really like bang your head around and get really like, pumped up. Um, really groove as well. They, they have some couple of sing-along choruses in there to give the feel across, which is always it's always great. Again, like power metal songs and power metal band, you want those choruses that you can blast out in your car, except which are great thing. Like track five and track eight do that well. Even track one, of course, which is... um greatest song in itself mm. uh, so you know they, they they do it well with that without giving across the um, ability to sing with great feel as well again the songs like the last song is quite nice with um, more of a poignant song there and the lyrics yeah. match the vocals quite well and that and it makes it easy a bit of a feel to it uh, groove wise there's a bit of groove I reckon track like one you have like a really strong drum uh, feel to give you the groove and then track two they use the guitar to give you the groove so they kind of change it up a bit yeah it's kind of like that uh power metal that's going through the states not that like stuff from europe where it's all that dragons and stealing off of uh lord of the rings in 60 seconds kind of thing it gives you more of a uh you know that more of the motion where it's sadness and despair or whatever which you get from the very uh, i say the imagination of the song titles is probably the one thing that didn't happen as much as the songs though hey Oh, maybe. I actually yeah, didn't really focus too much on that part of it. But yeah, I mean, I I, I should have probably paid more attention to some of the lyrics. But uh, in the end, it's, who cares? Who cares because man. when you're singing it this well, he could have been reading the Magic Noodles covers for all I care. You know, what what goes in a muffin? Chocolate? Awesome. Who cares? Right? Because <laughs> the end of the day, it made me feel for it. And that's more important than anything you can ever say. Uh, it doesn't matter what goes in a muffin. They put raisins in a muffin. Oh, you yeah. throw those muffins out. <laughs> I understand people put fruit in, like, say, in sweets. Stop doing that. Stop coating f- almonds and so- no, sultanas and chocolate. Stop it. This, right? is four out of, this is four out of four so far. So let's just finish this bad boy up with the production. And did they screw up with the mixing and mastering? Is literally like everything come together apart from how they blended it because they've made it like micromanaged or they didn't manage it at all? Danny, what do you reckon? Oh, I think this is a really good album. I think they've done a really good job with mixing. It all sounds great. Yep. Vocals come up strong. Uh, nothing is muddled. Nothing sounds overproduced, as you feel like with um, Allegion, Allegion, whatever in the past. It, it, it all sounds natural. You get the emotion across with the singing. Uh, yeah, the solos stand out when need to. Uh, 
yeah, no, yeah, it's great. This is a super group of super players, right? What they've done, the producer here is smart enough to get the strengths of the playing and the technicality of all the players across. Now, they've done their work before they even go into the studio, you can tell, because when they've gone to the studio, they're just playing at the best level and it's not micromanaged where it's soulless and all that. It feels exactly how it should and the production's perfect. I've... You know, people could argue about how they like this um, to be mixed in that. And I can't really uh, say whether they're here or they're on that because what's more important is how it feels to me. And uh, great. This album is five out of five, Danny. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like, again, it's actually they do the classic things. Like they do layered vocals well in the choruses, etc. They either use the pre-chorus to build up the chorus or vice versa. They give you that dichotomy and to give a feel to it. Uh, one thing I think is really clever the album is like they start track one starts real slow like having a fade in but then track nine ends with like a fade out so I think that's really clever like the way you can like loop the CD and it goes well um, and track track nine again having a fade out is quite nice because it's quite a potent and poignant song that the way it ends is actually quite clever as well so I think that they're getting smart with this some people could argue that the album's a little short I think clock's in around yeah. 33 minutes now that is a short album however nothing overstays its welcome so in its strength Literally, this is like probably the best of the best maybe that they could do and that's what they wanted to give to the fans. And for that, I would say, job well done. Yeah, definitely. I think the song's as long as they need to be. you know, And that's yeah. that's probably what the difference is between these guys and turning into a progressive band. It's like, we're, we're a power metal, pretty much power metal band, hard rock band, you know, with a bit of elements of other things. But generally, that's what we are. We'll make the songs as long as they need to be and leave with the impact. You know, if we want to be a progressive band, just turn these into five-minute songs with like a long-winded intro or... Uh, bit of a fluff guitar or drum solo in the middle then they could have done that as well in some bands would have done that to these songs but they they stay true to what they want to do yeah so as you can tell by me and Dan's excitement this is an album that we really really rate now who are you going to say this album's for Danny oh pretty much people who like Dio is you don't like like that um, so the same as Judas Priest as well you could yeah, say yeah if you like Judas Priest so if you're from that like 80s uh, power hard rock, new uh, wave of American metal. Uh, would that yes. we say yeah, even even the British as well with Iron Maiden and stuff. I don't think yeah. this is too far for nah. fans to be stretched from the power metal industry to thrash metal industry. Yeah. I think this is actually a fairly reachable. Yeah, target. if you like Iced Earth as well, there's part of that in there, of course. So yeah, yeah, and they definitely have all of that in there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, honestly, if you're into like literally stripped back metal um, at any de- degree, with with that, I guess the singing obviously is very hard because I think singing pushes it into certain categories sometimes for fans because like if you know a guy would have scream over the whole top of this would be like almost a death me- like death metal yeah. album <laughs> but because it's singing over it's a power metal album whatever it is yeah. I gotta say I just suggest it to anyone that uh, is really looking for that kind of throwback to um, those kind of styles and um, it's great it's yeah just- when metal's all about the music man those yeah. times man yeah You're swapping yeah. like cassettes and shit uh, I, I actually can't wait to review because at the end of the year when we do our top 10, this is going to be very high on my top 10, Danny. So I don't know about you, but uh, get excited for this. This is going to be an album that should hopefully make a bit more headways than it is. Yeah, look, and any power metal band, an album that gets Max, so you know it's worth its weight in gold. So There were very rare times where I was like, oh, does he have to sing like that? Because it's like yeah. when I hear Bruce Dickinson, things... I feel things I shouldn't feel like, you know, Vietnam War veterans feel about thinking about, you know, it's just like, no, oh, you know, Germany was pretty bad actually at that time, you know, and um, sometimes I think the power metal is the same for me, but what I will definitely say for Tim Ripper Owens, mate, is like, I am fully on board. If I like power metal vocals, 
Uh, now, if people can super hit me for like Pat Milfix because I like Tim Robbins, then you know, then that's all it's so a bit, I guess. Uh, so, man, if you enjoy it, that's the thing with these band albums, man. Don't let genres stop you from enjoying good albums and good musicians and good songs. 10 out of 10, guys. Well done. Can't wait to hear next one. And until then, Daddy, we've hit the end of our show. We have, actually, like a brick wall up my balls hitting the floor when Tim River Owens hit those power metal notes oh absolutely I just cannot wait to review more albums like this man just so much fun and uh, well we do have a lot of albums coming out especially with Flames coming out in two weeks yeah. so we will be ruining that when it comes out we've got a couple more as well I think I think Avenged Sevenfold might be I think they've dropped an album as well yeah, so. yeah. and look again if you guys want us to do a, a album reviews even like a retro review we don't mind um, popping those up as well so just put it on our on our wall Twitter page whatever you feel like get in contact with us the yeah. lovely guys at uh, Heavy Metal Florida Oh, Heavy Pedal on Prospect Road. The top people there. I'm they, Shelley there. They want us to do a an album review, hopefully maybe Black Sabbath or something. So that will that will be coming up. So get in contact with that and we'll definitely review the album of your choice. Yeah, definitely. And if you want flowers, check them out, man. Support local. They, they're they very friendly. Do good stuff. Until next week, guys. I've been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother Dan. Thank you guys for joining us for tonight's episode. We will catch you next week. See you later.